Joe. Thank you, sir. Good morning, Tunnel Hill Baptist Church. It is a pleasure to be back with you folks in the absence of uh, Pastor Josh. About three weeks ago, I spoke at, with my role with the Kentucky Baptist Convention. I'm traveling all over, and I spoke in Bardwell, Kentucky. If you know where that's at, if you just take the wrong step, you'd be in Illinois. That was three hours of a drive. I live over in Winchester Park, and it was about 10 minutes of a drive, and I could say thank you for that this morning. And it is a pleasure to be with you all. My name is Kenny, and I serve with your Kentucky Baptist Convention. And uh, our Kentucky Baptist Convention is our network of Southern Baptist churches in the state of Kentucky that partner together for the cause of missions and evangelism. And we would like to say thank you for giving through the cooperative program, which is our way of Southern Baptist of all contributing together to make missions possible. Because this church gives through the cooperative program, you are enabling all types of ministries across the state and the world. For example, you are helping Onita Bible Institute, Clear Creek Bible College, Sunrise Children's Services, our MSC missionaries that are, are doing things like food pantries and clothes closets all across the state of Kentucky. You are putting your Kentucky Baptist Convention Mission, uh, mission Board staff on the field, like myself, where we are able to come to our churches free of charge. We don't need anything when we come. We are here to serve you and to help in a variety of services and ways. In addition to that, through the North American Mission Board, you are planting churches in places like New York City and Cincinnati and Philadelphia and L.A. and Miami, and the list goes on and on. And perhaps the big one, Tunnel Hill Baptist Church is putting over 3,300 International Mission Board missionaries on the field overseas that do not have to come home, do not have to raise support, because churches just like this are paying their salaries. Isn't it wonderful what we do together for the cause of missions? So thank you so very much for giving through the cooperative program and for being part of our Kentucky Baptist Convention and for being really close to my house this morning. So thank you. Thank you very much for that. If you have a copy of God's Word with you, I invite you this morning to begin to find the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. As you're turning to Mark chapter 4, verse 26 is where we'll begin. But as you're turning there this morning, I, I read a, a really unique story that I want to share with you all. It's a, it's a fun little story. Um, on, Ju on July the 11th, 2018, a Delta Airline employee by the name of Don Welcome got a call from corporate security about from uh, uh, at the Minneapolis State Airport uh, relaying that the FBI would be delivering a very mysterious package to Washington, D.C. Don Welcome went on the record to say this. He said, I was told that the FBI had a very unique situation. Two agents would be taking a short trip the next day from Minneapolis to Washington, D.C., and then back carrying a, lar a large high-value object that could not go into the cargo hold or into the overhead bin. They needed to be seated on the same row with an empty seat between them for the package. He goes on to say, I had no idea what it was, just that the FBI needed to be in constant contact with the package. Later, two Delta flight attendants on the same flight recalled their experiences. One said, they told me they had been busy traveling in the last few days and were transporting a high-profile package. It was in a box with a fragile sticker 
and it was highly guarded. Another flight attendant uh, went on to say that they told me to watch the news because in the coming weeks, maybe I could figure out what was in the package. Now, what do you think was in that package? Uh, something that required a package that required its own seat on a Delta airline. It required its own seat. It required two FBI agents sitting next to it. It was heavily guarded, and it was very secretive. What do you think it was that the FBI was flying from Minneapolis on July the 11th, 2018, to Washington, D.C.? Maybe, perhaps, for the Joe, it was top-secret documents, maybe. Maybe, Chris, it was a murder weapon, perhaps, that they were delivering. Uh, I don't know. What do you think it was? Now, here's what's interesting. If they were to have dropped that box on the side of the street, which they wouldn't have, by the way, but if they were to drop it, and you were walking down the road, and you found that box, and you opened it up, and you peeked inside of it, you would have looked at it, and you would have thought, what is this? You would have maybe thought, this is just trash, or this is just garbage. You may have even thrown it away. Because when you looked in that box, what you would have saw was you might have thought it was a Halloween costume, perhaps. Actually, it was two pairs, it was a pair of shoes, two shoes. And you might have thought it was costume shoes or, like I said, dress-up shoes for a little kid. It was two ladies' shoes, two pairs, one pair of ladies' shoes. And they were sparkly, but they were, they weren't real sparkles. They weren't diamonds or jewels. It was costume-type stuff. And you might have just thrown it on the side of the road. What you did not know is that inside that box was one of the four pairs of Dorothy's red slippers that was used for the filming of The Wizard of Oz. And one of those four pairs had been stolen from a Minneapolis museum, and the FBI was on a year, years and years long manhunt <laughs> for ruby slippers, that they found. And they were actually flying those to the Smithsonian Institute in order to compare it with another known pair of Dorothy's slippers. And sure enough, if you were to have found those slippers and thrown them away, you would have been throwing away somewhere in the neighborhood of $3 million. See, friends, sometimes big things really do come in small packages. Did you know that? And sometimes there are things that don't look like it could be very much. It might look like it's worthless. It might look like it's nothing at all. But in all reality, it is of immense value. See, every believer in this room today, every person that's a Christian that has repented of their sin and put their faith in the God-man, Jesus Christ, and have trusted in his death, burial, and resurrection, and who have been born again and saved, you have something inside of you today that you might not think is very much, but it is of immense value. It is priceless what is inside of you. It's your testimony. You may not think it's very much. You may not think it's very powerful or very elaborate. But if you are saved today, God has put a story inside of you. The Lord has put his word inside of you. You see, my friend, that 
testimony, that word of God, that gospel that is living inside of you, you may think it's nothing. But my friend, it is a seed that is inside of you that if it is scattered and thrown and given to others, it can do such a great work. And what I want to encourage you today is to take your story, to take the gospel, to take what the Lord has put inside of you and begin throwing it everywhere you can and to see what happens when you throw the seed. Let's stand and read God's word. I believe it to be holy, powerful, and errant, and infallible. Let's listen to what God's word says today. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 26. I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. The word of God reads this. He also said, that's Jesus. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Father, thank you for the word. May you bless it this morning. Help me to preach the word faithfully and within context. And Lord, today, show us what you've put inside of us and help us, Lord, to share it. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people prayed together. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Jesus was the ultimate teacher and here he gives us one of those great lessons that he had given in his gospels and he's preaching and man such a crowd had gathered. He'd actually, he was by the lakeside, he actually got in the boat and he used the boat as the pulpit and all these people were gathered around and he was preaching and it was a wonderful, wonderful day. And Jesus, one of Jesus' preferred methods of teaching was using what was called a parable. Now, do you know what a parable is? A parable is an earthly story with a what? A heavenly meaning. You ever heard that before? And, that's, and Jesus used parables all the time. He would talk about everyday things and he would compare that to what God was doing. Now, if you read earlier in the book of Mark, chapter 4, the same passage we were in, he gives another parable about seed, and, and he talks about the, that famous one about the seed being thrown on the ground and a bird comes. We'll get to that here in a second. But what we just read is unique to the gospel of Mark. And it, it's so simple. He says a farmer goes out, throws some seed, he goes to sleep, the seed sprouts, it produces a crop, the harvest comes, and it's gathered in. This is a simple, simple parable. But what we see is, is that someone is throwing the word of God, and God does a great work with it. And today, there are people throwing gospel seed all over. There are pastors today, filling in, in pulpits today, that are preaching, throwing gospel seed. There are missionaries throwing gospel seed on foreign soil. But friends, today, you too, as a believer in Christ, are to throw gospel seed. You are to be obedient to the great commission of God. And you too are to share your story, to tell other people that Jesus is indeed God who became flesh, who died and rose again, and who can save you and can change your life. You need to throw some seed. So I want you to look at your neighbor this morning. I want you to look at a neighbor like literally turn around and look at somebody today. This isn't that hard. And I want you to tell them, get ready to throw some seed. Just tell them that today. Get ready to throw some seed. 
Because when you throw seed, great things happen. I want you to throw some seed and just see what happens. Can we do that today? Can we just throw our story out, tell people about Jesus, and just see what happens today? I believe when you throw the gospel seed, you get to see God do some great things. Three things I want you to see. Number one, throw some seed and see God work on somebody. Throw some seed and just see the Lord work on somebody. Look at verse 26 of what we just read. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. So the man throws some seed. Now, who's the man? We're not told. Maybe it's the evangelist. Maybe it's the personal witness. The reason we're not told is because the emphasis is not on the one sowing the seed. The emphasis is on the seed. The emphasis is on what the seed can do. He throws the seed. He scatters it. Then he what? Goes to bed. And then he wakes up. And what happens? The seed has sprouted and he doesn't know how. See, the seed illustrates the word of God. It illustrates the testimony. It illustrates the power of the gospel. And as one throws the seed, shares the story of the gospel, shares the power of Jesus, the Lord then begins to work on somebody. You know, listen, I believe with all my heart that when you tell somebody about Jesus, the Lord will use your story, will use your effort, will use your attempt to work on that person. Now, I'm not saying that person will right then give their life to Christ, though they might. But I do believe that when you tell somebody about Jesus, you give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work on that person. Um, I was preaching this message, this same message, a few weeks ago, and it was in a very rural farm community. And when I got done preaching it, a gentleman met me in the parking lot, and he said, you kind of made me mad today. And I said, well, that's not the first time that's happened when I preached. But, but I said, well, what did I make you mad about? And he said, well, you called us farmers stupid. I said, I don't think I did. And he said, yeah, you said us farmers, we we." We don't know how seed works, that we just throw it out there and just leave it alone and, and we don't even know how it grows. I said, well, time out, partner. I said, I said, number one, I just read to you what the scripture said, okay? I said, number two, it's a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But number three, I said, brother, I said, listen. In the ancient days, they didn't know very much about agriculture as much as they do now. They didn't understand how germination worked and all that stuff that you know. But at the same time, the emphasis is not on the man. The emphasis was on the seed. Because this seed was, and, and by the way, that guy would have no idea that I would have already used him three times in a sermon <laughs> illustration. So be careful what you say to somebody, you know. No idea he would know that I'd be used, third time I've used him in a sermon illustration now. But the emphasis was not on the man and what he could do and what he knew. The emphasis was on the seed and how powerful that seed was. See, we're not dealing with any unique seed. We're dealing with the seed that you can throw and go to sleep and God still uses it. Friend, that's better than any miracle grow that I know. 
This is powerful stuff. This is the word of God. You see, one of the great problems for us when we share our faith is that we put too much emphasis on who? Ourselves and not the word of God. Oh, Kenny, what if they reject me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they don't believe me? My friend, the farmer sows the seed. He goes to sleep and he wakes up and he doesn't know how it sprouted. This should encourage every single one of us. Amen. Because it is the seed that has the power. It is the gospel that has the power. Not you. You had to receive the gospel to be saved. You can't save anybody. But when you take a chance and you share Jesus with somebody, oh, my friend, you give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work on that person. Because, oh, when you throw that seed, it is God who is doing the work with the seed. Not you. Just throw some seed. Throw some seed and just see what God can do. Because the seed, the gospel, has power to it. Your job is to plant it and to sow it. That's your job. And trust God to do the rest. Does that just take a weight off anybody's shoulders today? It does mine. To know that it's not about the farmer. It's about the seed. But throw some seed and see God work on somebody. But number two, throw some seed and then see if God changes somebody. Throw some seed and then see if the Lord changes somebody. Look at the very next verse. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. The soil produces the grain. You know, you look at that dirt, it's got the seed in it, and then one day a sprout comes up, it begins to grow, a head forms on it, you've got the, you've got the, the fruit there, and it is then harvested, and it's, and it's taken care of. Who made it grow? How did it come out of that ground you know earlier in the parable jesus had earlier in chapter four he told us another parable about another guy throwing seed and as he throws the seed some lands on a path and birds come and eat it and some land on thorns and, and some doesn't have good soil and it doesn't take root see people respond to the gospel in very different ways sometimes the devil does come in there and snatch up sometimes the worries of life does choke it out sometimes they don't get good understanding of it but sometimes it is received sometimes it does land on good soil and when it lands on good soil the soil takes it in and what happens it produces see the the soil in the parable is the soul is the human soul and as the seed is thrown, the soil either receives the seed or rejects the seed. And then it is, if it receives the seed, it is the Lord who then cultivates it and grows that plant. I've heard people say, oh, Kenny, nobody wants to hear the gospel anymore. Nobody wants to be saved anymore. Nobody wants to listen to Jesus anymore. What's the effort? You know what? Sometimes it does fall on the rocks and the birds and the, the thorns. But if you're a believer in here today, somebody threw some seed and it landed on some soil that received it. Am I right? Anybody today would say, Kenny, I've received the gospel. Anybody today? 
I've been saved. I've received it. So quick survey. If you, in God's grace, were able to receive the gospel in your soil, why do we think that you're the last generation to be able to receive the gospel? Why is it you are able to receive the gospel, but now nobody else can? Are we really that prideful this morning? Friend, there are people all over Hardin County that are just waiting for you to tell them about Jesus. They're just waiting for you to throw some seed and tell them about Jesus. And you know what? Yeah, they might reject you. Yeah, they might do this. Yeah, yeah. But some of it might land on good soil. Amen? Let me tell you, one surefire way for a plant not to grow. You ready? Don't put a seed in the ground. Am I right? That's a surefire way for it not to grow. Don't put a seed in the ground. The Bible says, Jesus said, all those that received them, he gave them the right to become children of God. They must receive it, but they can't receive it if you don't throw it. And by the way, look what the parable teaches. It teaches that it grows up. It produces the, the crop. Man. You ever seen somebody so far from God give their life to Jesus and then God changes their life? You ever seen that? Anybody today would say, well, Kenny, I've seen it because that's me. God has changed my life. And notice the progression, Brother Joe. It's not, it's not all overnight. It, the plant comes up and then it grows. You know, that's Christian discipleship, amen? We don't get it all in one day. We get saved and then over time we grow. It was so neat when I was a pastor we would see people so far from God. We would preach to them. We would share Jesus with them. They'd give their life to Christ. We would baptize them. And then years later, we would see them become deacons in our church. Boy, you're talking about something amazing. I mean, they were, six, seven years ago, they were in the bars, no joke. And then six or seven years later, they're in a deacons meeting. I mean, praise God. Amen. I mean, just amazing what the Lord could do. So you know what? You throw some seed and you see God work on somebody. And sometimes when you throw seed, you may see God change somebody. And isn't it good when God changes people? So good. But there's a third thing that happens. You throw some seed and you may see God, you will always see God work on somebody. Always. And then you may see God change somebody. But here's the third one. You ready? You throw some seed and you might get to see God harvest somebody. Now, Kenny, what do you mean by that? Look at what, how Jesus ends this short little parable. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. The sickle here is referring to the end. It's referring to the end of the life of this person. That this person has come to the conclusion of their Christian walk. They have received the seed. They have received it. They have been born again. They have produce Christian fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is in their life. And now comes the harvest. Now comes the end. And they are harvested. And where are they put? Into God's barn. What is Jesus telling us? That those that have received the seed, that bear fruit, that know Jesus, that are changed by God's grace, what happens? Are you ready? This is so cool. That one day, they go to heaven. They go to heaven. They go to heaven. Not everybody goes to heaven. Did you know that? The soil that rejects the gospel, that person will die in their sins and they will not spend an eternity with Jesus. They'll spend an eternity separated from Jesus. 
in a dark, awful place called hell. Only those that have a relationship with Jesus, that know Christ personally, will spend an eternity in heaven with Christ. I hope you received the seed today. Amen. I hope you have received the gospel today. I hope you have. I hope you've given your life to Jesus. But one day when you have, you have received Christ, oh, the sickle will come. And it's going to come for all of us, right? And those that know Jesus will spend an eternity in heaven. You know what's really neat is that crops are harvested at different times. You know, you don't always, you don't harvest, you know, corn necessarily at the same time as beans and whatnot. You know, they, things have different seasons for them. They really do. Um, and, you know, God's harvest is not going to be a bland harvest. It's going to be really unique. It's going to be so awesome. Revelation 7, 9, John says he looked before the throne and he saw people from every nation and tribe and language. And before you know what's going to be neat, you're going to get to heaven. And, oh, the family of God is going to be so diverse. It's going to be full of all types of colors and people from all over the world and the different nations. Won't that be great? To see God's, God is not a bland God, amen? He's going to have a beautiful harvest. It's going to be so awesome. But all of those people, they all have one thing in common. You know what that one thing in common is? They were all saved by the blood of Jesus. They all gave their life to Christ. They all repented of their sin and trusted in Jesus. And you know what? You might get to heaven one day. And you might see somebody, and you may say, oh my goodness, how'd you get here? And then they'll look at you, and they'll say, well, I was going to ask the same question. <laughs> but you're going to say, what happened? And, they're, you're, and you're going to say something like this. They're, they may, may say something like this. You know, you were faithful in telling me about Jesus, and you planted a seed in me. I didn't get saved then, but God used that seed, and he worked on me. And then one day, I finally took root, and I gave my life to Jesus, and I went on to live for Christ. Thank you for telling me about Jesus. Friend, will anybody be in heaven because you took time to throw some seed? I hope so. Today, if you're here in this room, and you say, Kenny, I can't throw seed. Because I've never received it. I've never opened up my heart. Kenny, could I be saved today? Most certainly. Jesus loves you. So very much. See, we're all sinners. We're all dirty, rotten soil. Contaminated soil. But Christ died for us on the cross. He shed his blood for us. So we could be washed clean and removed. He rose again in power, victorious power, so we could have a relationship with God. And what's needed today is for us to open up our soil, our hearts, and receive him as Savior. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I pray today you'll do that. You give your life to Christ. And for others today that are timid and shy about sharing their faith, here's my encouragement. Just be a, a seed thrower. Just start throwing as much seed as you can. Go through the McDonald's drive-in, just tell somebody that Jesus loves them. I did that this morning, by the way. You tell your neighbor what God's done for you. You tell your coworker you're praying for them and that Jesus can help them. 
just throw some seed. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? And Lord Joe, if you'll come, if our piano player would come this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed today, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, God, that the gospel is powerful, so much better, stronger than we can ever imagine. Lord, if there be one here today that has never given their life to you, Father, I pray today will be the day that they open up their heart, they admit that they're a sinner, they believe that Jesus died and rose again, and they just give over to you and commit their life to you. And God, and I pray that as we sing, God, that, Lord, that they would be quick to come when we sing and, and to profess their faith and, God, to tell others about that they have given their life to Jesus. And, Lord, we pray, Lord, now that you would help all of us to be seed throwers, God, for the cause of the gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as we begin to sing? Amen.